welcome back to Autopsy for Horror Movie. My name is Brucker, and today I am joined by writer and director Nora Uncle to discuss the movie about a myth that is trying to mythologize itself. It is The Blair Witch Project from 1999. Hello, Nora. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always great. So, as I said, today we are discussing the very infamous 90s found footage horror, The Blair Witch Project, which I have been dying to talk about ever since I started the show this was one of the movies I put on the list that like you know must talk about mm-hmm. um, I'm very excited to talk about this and uh, I know I've already said thank you but thank you again for coming on um, I guess I'll kind of just start the floor you know with you what's uh, what's kind of like your history with the Blair Witch Project yeah um, I'm excited to talk about it too I feel like this this particular <laughs> film is ripe for conversation Um mm-hmm. I so I kind of came into the more classical horror uh, later on, uh, you know. I, I or I guess I was first raised with you know Universal Monsters horror and Hitchcock kind of horror, and so it, it wasn't until I started actually making horror movies that I really got into the Freddies and the Jasons of the world and the mainstream, the mainstreams stuff. exactly, and. Um, and I was really lucky to have some friends who kind of walked me through a bunch. And so it was a couple of years ago uh, around Halloween. I tend to do a, a month of horror watching. Um, and one of the movies I was picked was Blair Witch. And uh, it really, I, I was fascinated to watch it because it had so much discussion around it uh, for so long. Mm. And I'd always heard from people growing up as a 90s kid you know, you hear about Blair Witch. Everybody has, especially in, in its initial release, a story about how they kind of came to it during that time. And so um, coming to it later, I was really excited. And when I got to see it, I was I was thrilled because it was one of the few that really genuinely scared me. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it, it's very good at that because it's, uh, it's really good at kind of if you buy into the movie mm-hmm. and it's kind of easy to, uh, but like, it's very easy to, you know, manipulate you <laughs> into buying into the premise and everything of this. Uh, so, wow. So, yeah. So you saw, you say you saw this for the first time a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah. Wow. Whereas, you know, I have friends who saw it in theaters when it first came out and at the time when people genuinely were being led to believe through the marketing campaign that it was really happening, that it really was real. This footage was actually found um, you know, before the whole subgenre became a thing. And, um, but I think even so seeing it for the first time, knowing that, you know, it's the founding, the founding kind of movie of the found footage genre, I guess it's not the yeah. original, but it's. Yeah. There was cannibal Holocaust right. before this, but like this, this is definitely like the found footage movie. Cause right. I mean, mainstream, it's, it's I guess. not as. Yeah, yeah, mainstream because it's not as controversial. But uh, it, <laughs> I mean, it was definitely controversial, kinda at the time, but uh, for like different reasons, right? Because uh, you you touched on the marketing campaign, mm-hmm. the which was just the marketing campaign for this is something that I feel like still lives like in infamy. Everybody loves to talk about <laughs> how this was just such an effective use of the internet, like one of the first movies oh, to really yeah. use viral marketing. Uh, and you know, they had I, I know many horror fans and kind of like film nerds kind of know most of these like trivia facts but uh just to kind of run down through it some of the stuff that was part of the marketing campaign 
uh, they the, the, so the creators of this movie, uh, Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez, they, you know, the Blair Witch is not like an actual myth. They they came up with that themselves. They even uh, came up, they even uh, made their own Blair Witch documentary that aired on the Sci-Fi Channel to build mythology around this. Oh my gosh, I didn't know about that part. <laughs> yeah, that it's called The Curse of the Blair Witch. Yeah, they they did that just to build this up. They had they plastered, you know, missing missing posters for the film students and they they knew to target college age people right. for this because mm-hmm. these were college students that went missing. And f- from what I've heard, you know, they would they did that like a couple years out. So that way, when the movies came back out, people went, oh, I remember those people went missing. Did they find them? And so that made them want to go right. see the movie. Right. And uh, on IMDb, they had all the actors listed as missing, presumed dead. Uh, <laughs> it was it was it was so effective. Even the actors parents received like flowers and like notes of like, you know, sorry for your loss. Uh, the in <laughs> Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez even had an agreement with the three Lead actors Heather Donahue, Heather Donahue, Michael C. Williams, and Joshua Leonard that they weren't allowed to do any press. They couldn't be in part of any other movies or shorts or anything while this was in theaters. They couldn't make any like public appearances just to like stay with like because they knew that because they said like the goal was to have like organic confusion about mm-hmm. this. Like, wait, was is this like an actual like film student documentary that went wrong or is this? a movie and like that was that was their goal was to cause confusion right um so yeah it's just i just find all of that so just brilliant and of course like this was before snopes right right there's like check things (laughs) well and and i think i I heard something too like their first public appearances they came to like the mtv music awards or something the three of them showed up (laughs) and presented an award being like yep we're real (laughs) that's fantastic but I, I mean, there's so many people that I know genuinely who went to the movie thinking this is a documentary about three kids who went missing under some seriously mysterious circumstances and mm-hmm. and who, of course, later found out that it was not. But I mean, I can only fathom what it would have been to go into a movie theater genuinely watching this as like this is reality because it already feels so real in and of itself just Mm-hmm. the incredibly clear concise directorial vision of it of like how they were going to show the drama how they were going to show what was going on it feels so real so grounded so obviously i mean it helped to, they probably didn't have a ton of money but like you know it, it felt really real so going in also thinking it actually did happen would be terrifying yes absolutely and so you kind of gave me a good segue for the money part of this. <laughs> this this movie it had a budget of sixty thousand dollars. Yeah, and it had a uh, open its box office for the opening weekend was just over one and a half million, and worldwide it made over two hundred and forty eight million. Uh, this was actually the uh, I don't know if this is true, but from what I the research I did, this is apparently the first horror film to premiere at Sundance. Really? Oh, I did. Yeah. I heard that too. Yes. So it's hmm. it's just it's just kind of crazy like all like kind of like the accidental success that this movie had. Yeah. Um, I watched the 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 directors and producers commentary, mm. which if people can get their hands on that, it's on the DVD. 
and I'm sure it's also on the Blu-ray if you buy that. I highly recommend doing that because it's kind of like a fresh take on a movie you've all been watching over and over for like 20 years now. Mm. Um, and it just like almost like clockwork, like every like three to five minutes is them going, yeah, that was by mistake. They didn't know that they were doing this. Oh yeah, they didn't know that the, that they got this composite like this. Yeah, they didn't know they, and it's just, it, it is, it, it's just such a testament to how this was, I don't want to say that running and gunning, but it is such a testament to how the craftsmanship was really in the editing of this because mm, yeah. they had because they had 20 hours of footage. They they so this they shot this in eight days. They were in the town for two days and they were literally camping in the woods for six. The directors would fo- were following them. And at night they would leave little letters for each of their characters saying, you know, this is what you're feeling. You're, you are going to do this tomorrow. And because it's all improv. And so, so, and without telling the other actors what, you know, what they're going to be doing or anything. So like when we get to that very, uh, I I think it's kind of like a peak moment in the movie where we find out that Mike kicked the the map into the river. That was a genuine response from the other two because they didn't know his character was going to be doing that. (laughs) And they, so it was very cool to see how they did this and (laughs) the, in the commentary, it was so funny because they go, yep, yep, uh, yeah, they got lost here. They got lost for an hour. Like, they kept, the actors kept getting lost, so they had to keep, like, telling, like, they had walkie-talkies that kept be like, all right, well, they, they had a saved word for breaking character, and it was taco. So whenever the directors would come out, yell taco, that means, hey, we're we're coming as your directors, not, like, random people. Like, we need, oh, to, yeah, we yeah. need to get back on course a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to actually live the thing that we are shooting right now yeah exactly <laughs> but uh uh so um my history with this yeah. i realized i kind of didn't circle back to that i didn't watch this until i was in college um i as i've explained before in this podcast i was kind of a, a, a scaredy cat as a kid and didn't watch too many horror movies but um i always think of my grandpa when i watch this movie because he was um, he was very much into like all the holidays, including Halloween. He loved Halloween, and he would he was always very big into scaring the the, the grandkids with like ghost stories. He even like would bring out his Ouija board to freak Ooh, us out. Nice. Um, he even had where my grandparents lived. There's like a woods and like a quarry in their backyard. So he had this whole myth of like the white witch of the quarry. You know, oh, we gotta watch out cool. at night. And I think I was like eight years old something like that and i went to like you know just stay the night at my grandparents and i was just rifling through his vhs collection i came across the blair witch project and i was like oh like i've heard like adults talk about this movie but i know nothing about it and by like kind of like morbid curiosity i like brought it in like the cover really sold me like the stick man and it's in the woods yeah. I was like, oh this looks spooky what is this and when I showed it to my grandpa, I was like, Grandpa, what uh, what's the Blair Witch Project? He just goes, he takes off his glasses. He just goes, if you watch that, you won't sleep for a week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, I mean, dead on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I always always think of him whenever I watch this movie. But, uh, yeah, so this is, this is in, it, it's one of those movies I don't think about all the time. But it's in, like, my top ten favorite horror movies just because it's so it's so unique and it's weird saying that because this trope of found footage has kind of been done over and over and over again and it's really hard to kind of recapture that like organic confusion that this had i think that maybe the only movie to come close to that is 
probably paranormal activity. Right. I was. I would just say even that didn't have the original basis that was like I think the concept of this, you know, is just so unique and, and thoughtful in how they decided to approach that versus mm-hmm. you know paranormal activity. It's it's it, it uses similar tropes, but with a less effective story, I guess is what I'm saying. So uh, the directors were film students when they were doing this. Uh, they, where, if you know what I mean, where did you go to film school? Or did you go to film school? I, I did. I went to NYU um, uh, for undergrad. And I, um, yeah, I, the, <laughs> I guess that's something watching this is it's terrifying because I've done those projects. I've made those movies, you know, where you go off. Like, I went with my friends from Maryland who grew up watching Blair Witch into woods to go shoot horror movies and comedy movies. And, um, and you know, I, I recognize those characters and the way they talk about the equipment and the way that they are having to kind of take care of themselves while also shoot the film and, and remember where they're, you know, for them, it was film for us. It's cards, right? Like where, where you're putting all that. And, um, so I think for me, there's an added layer of like, oh, mm-hmm. I was that film student. It could have gone seriously differently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was kind of, I was kind of curious, like what, uh, I guess your relation or like how kind of how you felt about this, like because uh, like the commentary, there's a bunch of times when like, yeah, it was out of focus here and they didn't know it and they were just kind of stuck with this, you know, or <laughs> that's fascinating. Yeah, because I mean, hearing that that makes so much sense because there's definitely moments you know like um when they're in the tent and the lens itself is so blurry because it's clear like somebody must have touched it or something and i was sitting there watching it for a while being like did they put vaseline on the lens for some reason for effect here to make it feel that much more mysterious or like what why why that choice and obviously it's it's not a choice it was it was a happy accident but that really does lend to the authenticity feeling of of this model um Mm -hmm. that i think is really effective but again that's why it becomes such an easily um screw upable trope after this is because like this was genuine this is really just they got what they got and they were going to put something together and and really make it feel authentic and everybody else is trying to force the authenticity whereas this is like Mm -hmm. no you really had three actors in the woods by themselves just having to like have very, very basic steering points and, and learn equipment at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so about the equipment, mm-hmm. uh, we talked about one of the like, kind of like, fun things I learned about this was that, uh, so you know, they had two cameras, mm-hmm. the, the, like the, the color camera right. that like the handheld that felt like every soccer mom had, right. uh, <laughs> which it, they're like, yeah, we bought that at circuit city, which again, just dates this movie oh, so much. Perfectly. Even the commentary oh, is gosh. dated, uh, which, which they returned after the movie to, to, to so that way it was still under budget. Right. Um, but the, the other kid, the black and white camera that, that they were using, that was a, they were borrowing that from, a friend i think it was maybe one of the producers it was like his or no not one of the producers one of the cinematographers mm. i think it was like his personal like his camera and they the in the commentary they talk about how that camera was his baby and josh the actor 
broke the camera while they're in the woods. Oh gosh. And so they like they're like, uh, how do we explain to him that we broke his baby, you know? And but they said that after the success the success of the movie, he sold it on eBay for ten grand. <laughs> Cause he's like, This was the movie, this was the, this camera, was the camera that shot the Blair Witch Project. That's so, amazing. Yeah. So yeah, it was because there's like a point where Josh like rolls like rolls downhill or something. Yep, that's him breaking the camera. Yep, that's <laughs> Honestly, of all movies to listen to the commentary to, I feel like this would be the one just for moments like that because, mm-hmm. I mean, so much of this is blind trust on the director's parts of believing like we're going to put a lot of this in these in these actors' hands and not give it a lot of guidance, and then that's it's brave and also obviously was a risk worth taking. Here, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I re- I really like the like the characters we got i'm kind of surprised that we don't see like you know they haven't like gone on and done a whole lot of mm-hmm. stuff after yeah. this i was kind of like surprised by that but also wondered if like because they didn't like hire like traditional like trained actors right. they kind of just they put an ad in the newspaper asking for anybody that could do improv and they got these three wow and you know i mean it works and i someone on top of was heather some because i thought that she was Heather is kind of like the heart of this movie mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she's the glue and she's, I don't know. She, I, she is, there's just so many things about her. Cause like they kind of, I mean, I don't know anybody that went to film school like personally, but she does kind of ooze this sort of like, you know, like film grad student <laughs> sort of like, I mean, I went to grad school, so I kind of know sure, like, how sure. like, those people yeah. are, but uh, cause I'll, one of my favorites, I don't know. Like one of my favorite editing jokes is her in the diner going, I don't want this to be cheesy. Like this needs to be serious. I want to like, like cheese is not the tone I'm going for. And it hard cut to her, like in the cemetery, yes. black and white with like Dutch angles. And like, there's this giant mound of dirt, like in the, for- in the background. And it's just like, there's so many scenes of like when she's trying to like, like she's on coffin rock, you know, doing the, the readings. And she's like, I don't want to, I don't want this to be cheesy, but like it, it's, right. it's cheesy. Yeah. It's cheesy. I mean, <laughs> She gives me such um, like first year acting student vibes to me. It was just like somebody who's just so eager and it's going to get it done no matter what. And, and, and it's just, you know, pedal t- to the metal sort of thing, <laughs> but, but kind of with blinders on. Um, I have a love hate relationship with Heather. I think you're right Ooh. in that. I think she is the, heart and soul of this movie she's the character the only character that really i think gets a true clear arc um i i think you know mike has definitely movement within his character but i don't know that like Mm. his his where he starts and where he ends are like oppositional necessarily versus heather you can really kind of see where she finally gets to a point where she is admitting her own defeat her her own faults Mm. um whereas the beginning she's so staunchly like this is what life is and i'm not going to look at it any differently um Mm -hmm. and i think that is really wonderful to see um just as you know a character study but um i think she also because most of the time at least at least my interpretation is that you were led to believe throughout and maybe this wasn't intentional. Maybe this is just kind of how it came out. But um, we're kind of led to believe that Heather never 
or really doesn't know where she's going the majority of the time, right? Like she's kind of lying about it. She's trying to, to, you know, make it seem like she has her shit together, but, um, but she's just kind of, again, blinders on moving forward. And so a lot of the time I found myself, you know, with the guys standing on the side being like, just, just admit you're wrong. Just like, just acknowledge that you don't know what you're doing. And, and we'll reassess, like, come on, girl, like, get it together. And, um, and that it's not until, you know, they find the log for the second time that Ugh. you really realize, and, and at least my interpretation is that, like, nah, Heather knew where she was going the majority of the time. It's, they've been in this paranormal loop of, or magical, you know, boundaries of mm-hmm. some sort that is, like, they are where the paranormal being wants them to be and it wasn't her fault but i um but because of that and because she doesn't have a lot of qualities that are very like endearing she's kind of rude she's kind of she doesn't listen to the guys most of the time she's very uh, bossy very almost like too driven she feels a little like a little male gazy in how she was written but then again, I, I hear you in that most of this was, um, you know, ad-libbed. So I don't know how much of this is just maybe the actress's true personality that was coming out there or, or if, if, or if it wasn't an intentional choice for, for her, but it did feel a little like she was, she felt like she was the stereotypical bossy, irrational woman that, um, when put in a place of, of power, um, she won't listen to reason and she'll drive you to your deaths. And like her final confession being this, you know, like, I'm sorry to everybody's moms. I did this to us. It, Hmm. it feels like the filmmakers are almost trying to tell us that yes, in fact, it was her fault. Whereas like the log tells me that not, they were, they were, you know, bait on a hook the whole time. Um, Interesting. But that I also might be taking it partially personally because as a female director, <laughs> I felt a little personally attacked. <laughs> so that's what I was going to ask. Cause like, was it to me, it was more of just like a direct, everything you said mm-hmm. about her, like I'm right. We're going to do what I say. You know, I'm going to ruffle some feathers, but I don't give a shit more of just like, I'm a director. I'm getting the project done mm-hmm. kind of thing. Right. And uh, so I and because she is, living through the camera mm-hmm. like literally like through this whole movie which is that sounds like an oxymoron but like because you know there's a point several times where josh and mike are like put the fucking camera right. away like 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 can we stop doing this and i think it's josh or mike says i now get why you kept right. this going it's like an altered reality i can you get to yeah you don't have to look at reality in the face yeah so it's so it's like her going back into like i'm not heather lost in the woods I'm Heather and I have a chair that says director on it over here. So we're going to, so I'm the decision maker and this right. is what we're going to do. This is all still going according to plan. Right. Um, so I don't know. I just kind of, and it's funny that you, cause I never like, I never watched this movie. It was annoyed with Heather. Mm. I did always feel like, Oh gosh, she's being stupid. You know, like the, you know, at day three, y'all right. should just like, or day two, whatever it was. So y'all really should, I feel like y'all are pushing it a lot, right. you know? Like, why do you need to go camp out there? Like, why can't you just do, like, a little day trip? Jumps and just... in and out. Yeah. Like, that's, that was, I was kind of just thinking, it's like, oh, you're being a stupid horror character. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
in the commentary they said that I think like the original cut was like two and a half hours of this, which I think that's kind of a lot to ask an audience yes. to sit through with with this. But uh, and they said that, and that was with test audience, and they said that uh, they had to really rework the editing for Heather because a lot of the comments they kept getting back was that like she was too much of a bitch for people to like, like because they wanted her to be the sympathetic part of this right because because we see how and it's because the three characters do kind of like take turns being the antagonist Mm -hmm. because there's lots of times where like josh will be antagonizing her or mike will be but then like the third one would be the peacemaker right so they all kind of like take turns doing that which i felt was true to reality because i feel like in those friends groups i mean there is normally the person that is like the peacemaker Mm -hmm. of the group but like it did feel like Normally, I feel like the third one would just, like, want to, like, stop the arguing right. and want to keep going instead of just, like, piling on. But I don't know. I just, I fe- I think I felt that the fighting happened like that, but it really never happened between the two guys. It was mm-hmm. always against her. She was always the at fault for some reason. And so while they would be antagonistic, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't necessarily say they were the antagonist even. The guys were always far more in, in in my interpretation, far more sympathetic than Heather because she was so irrational, because she was unwilling to bend at any point. Whereas the guys were much more like Mike is the asshole at first, right? Mike's the antagonizing, just like really pushing Heather being like, come on, just admit it, just admit it. And at that point I'm finding like him very rude and I'm not appreciating how he's doing it. (laughs) But at the same time, I agree with him. Like, obviously you're lost. So talk about it or or show proof that you're not um but then he becomes the peacemaker and then and and he has that whole shift and then when josh disappears then he really is kind of this almost voice of reason for us but at that point that's when heather is finally admitting this is my fault this is on me Mm -hmm. and so it just it makes me wonder what the like filmmaker's intent is because if, if it is to be sympathetic with her, I find that really difficult when from the very beginning we're supposed to question her judgment and her her abilities to keep them safe when especially as a director, like that's one mm-hmm. of your number one like that's one of your biggest positions is taking care of your crew and your cast and making sure that everybody's safe and and you know, so I think I'm immediately judging her because I'm interesting. I'm told to call her her honesty and her capabilities into question. I guess it's, I guess that's a really fair point because, like, in, in the, when we first open up with her, we do see that she has all these books, like you know, how to survive in the mm-hmm. woods. She has like one survival right. book, but like three books on Coffin Rock and like the Blair Witch right. and like like other like supernatural things. So it's kind of like this false sense of security that she's bringing. Like, Oh, I know what we're getting ourselves right. into. I just need this, need this book. We'll flip to whatever ch- page we yeah. need and we'll get there. And then the, in terms of, you know, taking care of them, uh, you know, they go shopping, but like, you know, they get a bunch of junk food right. and garbage and everything, right. which was um, just side tangent. To, <laughs> this was actually really a funny part in the commentary because it, because, you know, they talked about, you know, th- this was them actually shopping <laughs> and, um, you know, that night they're all drunk in the hotel room and then all the directors are like, yeah, this, they are absolutely plastered right now because we, cause they, we gave them a budget for six days. They spent it all that afternoon on booze. 
Like, <laughs> like oh we gosh. gave them money out of our pockets, and they spend it all on oh booze goodness. and marshmallows. <laughs> and, <it's> a, <laughs> and the the while they're at the grocery store, it was so interesting hearing about all the stuff they had to like pay for, because mm-hmm. I didn't realize like like copyright stuff like you just mentioning something like that could be copyright claimed or whatever. Like I didn't realize how much of that like went into it. And there are two uh, continuity errors in this movie that, um, that they pointed out because this movie takes place in the year 1994. And there's only two things that aren't from 94 in it. The, the power bar (laughs) that Mike holds, uh, it was, I think, uh, it's like almond cookie or like almond raisin cookie, something like that. Oatmeal raisin cookie. That's it. That flavor did not exist in '94, <laughs> and, and there was like some car in the background Amazing. that like didn't exist in '94. But uh, yeah, and it wasn't until they wanted to talk about copyright. Well, they said that the Power Bar took them forever to get the rights to do, but then now Power Bar sends them boxes of stuff like all the time. <laughs> Power Bar was but, like, uh, "Thank you so much." <laughs> yes, because uh, it's a real, you know, uh, you know that he like really it's a holds hero it, shot for sure. Camera, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, and then they they talked about Gilligan's Island and like they made like the joke about the skipper and they said that was the most expensive shot of the movie to to get the rights to keep that oh joke in. Gosh. Oh <laughs> my gosh! I mean, I believe it. I believe it because like otherwise, what are you spending your money on? Like feeding people and, and basically flashlights. Like you know? yeah. Um, <laughs> but that makes a lot of sense. Um, oh gosh, copyright! Such a nightmare. Yeah. Such, I was so thankful to have done a period piece for that reason. Just be like, brands didn't exist, okay? So we're fine. They're just not in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a very good point, actually. Yeah, you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Everything's in public domain. It's fine. You can talk about whatever literary sensations of the time you want to. <laughs> that's really smart, actually. <laughs> now, how can we do a found footage movie set in the 1800s? <laughs> interesting i I like where your brain goes with this (laughs) that that's like the twist of the movie is that uh like it's not the 90s it's it's the 1800s the whole time yeah that's brilliant actually now now you got me thinking you know um that's hilarious (laughs) Uh, i totally forgot the point i was supposed to bring up before i talked about the power bar but Ah, um yeah yeah, so anyways let's uh you want to get into the uh uh, subgenre categorization of this. Sure. Subgenre categorization segment for for this for Blair Witch. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Right? Yeah, I was gonna say, um, uh, hmm, hmm. I mean found footage would i i guess have definitely a solid footing in this one um yeah <laughs> and paranormal of course see that's something i was going to ask mm. is it kind of dep- like it depends on the lens that you kind of like put on for this sure. is that like is it like is it paranormal or is it something is it very human like what's happening right. to them like did like are we just watching three idiots literally just get lost in the woods and run in circles. Right. Is it a psychological, you know, um, mm-hmm. deteriorization I mean, like, or something? Yeah. Um, I was wondering that too. And, and I feel like, I don't know. I think, I think 
it could be a psychological manipulation uh, of, of them, these three kids getting lost in the woods and losing their minds. Um, I think if that was the case, then, you know, somebody would have to be killing Josh, right? Somebody mm-hmm. or, or disappearing him. And, and I think because there's no like midsummer type um, displays or, or reveals um, for me, it really feels like it's lands in this paranormal genre subgenre specifically because I think for anybody that's actually had paranormal experiences, um, my, myself included, it's you, it's very unexplainable. The things that happen are very much in light of what happened or not in light uh, the things that happen are very similar to how it was interpreted in this film in that it's not something you can just like put your finger on, you know, like you can blink and you miss in when they're in the tent, the kind of hands or something groping at them from oh, the outside. Yeah. Right. But like you could have missed that and just thought they scared themselves and ran away. Right. And mm-hmm. you're constantly searching the woods while they're running, try, like desperately trying to see something, but you can hear things. You can sense things. You know that dread. You can feel something is there. Something's watching them. Something is keeping them in this loop. And, or, or screwing with their compass in some capacity or whatever it be. Like, mm-hmm. and I think that is why it feels so creepy to me is because it feels so realistically possible for true paranormal experiences. Um, it could be, you know, just that everybody's going crazy mm-hmm. and that like, you know, those of us who have had paranormal experiences <laughs> are just nuts. But I do think that, um, you know, just the way that it was presented um, feels very just like there's something else there that you just yeah. can't put your finger on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I th- I think that this is one of those movies where it's very fun to say, OK, I'm going to watch it with there's no way there's paranormal and just like try to go in with that bias yeah. and try to watch it with that lens and then watch it again. Oh, go, yeah. Okay. I'm going to go to that. It is, it is paranormal. It's kind of like whenever you watch once upon a time at Hollywood and you're like, I'm going to believe that Cliff did kill his wife. <laughs> and then like, I'm going to believe that he didn't. It was such an accident. Well, it, uh, it, it like, completely changes how sure. you feel about the yeah. character, but yeah. Um, and I just, I, I don't have an answer for that, but to play with, <laughs> um, it's it's very fun to do that and i think to me like the two points of for like like the two like you know like uh like pillars for either argument for the paranormal side which i do believe this is paranormal is is the log like them circling back to the log like the the manipulation of the landscape and everything and how i'm sorry just to add in please please how it leads them I feel like it very much the spirit or whatever it is knows where they are at all times. It's playing with them. It's revealing certain things to them every night, trying to screw with their heads to the point. Like I think if they're obviously in the same landscape as they have been like them finding that house finally was not a coincidence. That was, they were led there, (laughs) you know, and, and the same thing with the different graveyards and the, uh, or, uh, um, where all of the stick figurines are Mm -hmm. and like when they find that huge one that's nobody known about that you know with that um next to the big trees just they were led there i think it it, is how i interpret it and that yeah that they would have found that before maybe or 
see that's that's also like part of like this movie was so genius about is that like we don't have like any concept of how large these woods mm-hmm. are where they are in relation to Burkittsville like right. how close it is like we just we we are just completely in the dark yeah. about this yeah and so yeah and I love that too I, I love that interpretation that you know they're being led there um which I think is probably what's going on the however the the, the other pillar that you could go to that this is very human what's happening to them is i love mike's own speculation i think it's like the second or third day and this is like when they're like they're starting to be lost and because they're only supposed to be there for one or two nights right right and it, it was the night the night prior they heard things like they heard footsteps and voices whatever and mike is starting to speculate be really freaked out during the day going he thinks that they're being followed right. by people and you know they they do like that deliverance reference and he's just like i'm he's like y'all should be like really freaked out about this and they're and josh and heather aren't right. he's like no guys like we are so deep in the woods if they are following us out this far it's not just to prank us right like we should be concerned if somebody is following out yeah. following us this far and it's like i'm getting chills thinking yeah, about I mean, that because it is like it is terrifying because he's he doesn't think he's a witch. He just thinks it's like some you know hillbillies right. just wanting to fuck with them, yeah. you know, and that is also very scary. So like to me, it's like you know you just go in the lens with that and like oh no, it was some you know they just interviewed all these people in the town. Somebody probably heard them and then just followed them into the woods. Right. Of course, right. So like there's there's and these I mean, two like yeah. it's so ambiguous. Yeah. Well, and and I mean, so with that, it could definitely be that it's using the myth whoever those people are they're using the myths that are already created and surrounding this area to you know again possibly leave lead these kids to these creepy old quote-unquote haunted places Mm -hmm. to kill or scare the shit out of them but um i think regardless of which direct like if it's paranormal or if it's um human yeah or normal or just you know american um (laughs) um, that's something they talk about they do right it's like no this is america this doesn't happen here you know like people getting lost which i think is fascinating because like that's just not remotely true and i think you know especially what's been going around in the news cycle and you know like you look at any sort of indigenous statistics it's like that's not remotely true um but i think that was part of the naivete that the kids have throughout that i think is really fascinating um it her she keeps saying that and and keeps getting proven very wrong about that um but i think regardless of which subgenre it is i i still think that it is inherently such a human movie because it really is about these kids these these college students i keep calling them kids i'm not that much older these college students Heather does look very young in this. She does. I will say. She, she does look she does look young. But you know, it, it's a human story about these people getting lost in the woods and and being terrified. And regardless of what is driving them to some of this madness, they are losing their minds. They are having these moments of true incapability of moving forward, you know? And and I think that's what keeps this movie like outside of the marketing campaign outside of the um 
subgenre of this found footage vehicle and, and gimmick, if you will. It is a really human movie. It is a really as a story about three basically strangers trying to survive in the woods and kind of the human instincts that come out in that. And like that that Mike says it at one point, like when Josh is kind of losing his mind and, and he's under like he'd lost all of his stuff. He's there under the tree. He's been slimed, yeah. And he's crying and he's just like needing a moment and Mike's like, We have to stick together. Like we have to take care of each other in this like you we can't like give them five minutes and i thought that was really thoughtful because like that is also i think some of the theme of the movie is like if if heather had been honest if heather had been like able to kind of talk to these guys about what was worrying her perhaps they could have helped each other right and and it's Mm. so i don't know I, i think it's just a very emotional movie while also not like forcing it down your throat through a lot of exposition. It's just three people that you can really put yourself into their shoes and understand their dynamic and where they're coming from and, and why they're losing their minds. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I love how you used the word survival mm. because uh, that's something I had is that like, this could also be seen as like a survival oh, absolutely. movie too. So getting into the fear analysis, uh, according to Dr. Carl Albrecht, there are five types of fear that humans share psychologically. The fear of death, mutilation, loss of autonomy, separation, and humiliation or shame. Um, and so before I get into like the, those specific things, just I want to talk about how the found footage aspect of this is what makes it so scary. Um, there's this quote from Tarantino that I really appreciate is that a horror audience accepts cinema first as opposed to any other like genre audience and that like you know we'll get different povs like we like we'll get like a weird first person pov of michael myers but that's only for like the first five minutes of the movie and the rest of the movie is like normal or like the camera will pan off right wait wait, wait, the character going that way where's the camera going oh we're seeing that there's something hidden behind here that they don't know and it's to build this tension and everything and like music to cue villains or whatever and like in jaws um but what's so uh, to me scary about uh player witch and it being a found footage is that it's devoid of anything that's cinematic mm-hmm. you know there's no opening credits there's no music there's and i love the the point you brought up is that like if this wasn't a found footage movie it was shot like a tra- like a okay. traditional movie this wouldn't work because it would just be like because the audience would be going why doesn't the camera just pan over to where the witch is why why can't we see her exactly yeah like when heather is running screaming Mm -hmm. going what the fuck is that normally we would pan over and see that but we don't hear and we accept that because we are like this movie is devoid of anything that is traditionally cinematic and that is what is so scary because it's like you're now in uncharted territory as an audience and it's like you now don't know what to expect and I just love that. Just yeah. surface level, kind of like, without getting into like the specific types of fears. I just love that. I think I think that's what makes this movie so effective in terms of fear. Well, absolutely. And I think to segue that into one of the fears, I think part of that is by removing that kind of cinematic lens, if you will, by being anti-cinematic in a way, um, it's kind of like we become what, you know, Mike describes Heather to be where he's like, 
you're looking at reality through this lens. You're you're separated from it to a degree, right? But we suddenly, by getting in their shoes and seeing this firsthand, feeling like we're seeing this firsthand, feeling like we're not seeing this with movie lights and with beautiful camera and with actors, we're, we're just watching reality unfold that suddenly we are a part of this story and we, like our experience of it is part of the fear, which I think goes into, you know, there's obvious fear of death because it's a survival movie and it's a horror movie. But I think the, the true one is the loss of autonomy and the loss. Mm -hmm. uh, And I think both for the characters, but also for the audience, because we start to become one with the characters by removing the cinematic element and the characters themselves, because they're either losing their sanity by getting fucked up, fucked with by hillbillies or, or, you know, ghost hillbillies. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, They are also like by finding themselves in this loop or whatever it be by finding themselves unable to escape, they're losing their ability to be in charge in control of anything in their Mm -hmm. existence. Um, And slowly piece by piece, their autonomy, their abilities for survival are removed from them. And I think as audience, because we're placed right in there with them, that's what we also start to worry about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Same. Yeah. The, I, I didn't have the, I kind of like struggled with like loss of autonomy, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I liked how you painted that for us. Cause it, no matter like what they do, we're going to keep heading South. They still circle back to the log yeah. and, uh, their decision making has been taken away from right. them, um, and I had mutilation too, yeah. just because like Josh's teeth do show up as, and we did hear him scream, right. so it was kind of like it because this this is not like a bloody or gory movie. This this is the only incidence of any sort of blood yeah. in this, which those were real teeth from a dentist's office that they got. Mm-hmm. Um, that Heather had no idea that would be in the stick bundles the in the commentary they said she actually ignored the bundle of sticks at first and they're like uh, okay taco you you got it you got to mess with that okay go back <laughs> and, and actually that's kind of how they do it in the movie too in the ultimate yeah. cut is they see it and they do their own thing and then she comes back to it i, I like that she um i like that she unbundles it though by herself away yeah. from mike and mike doesn't even know yeah. and it's almost like you could, there's like certain points of this movie where you can see her try to take this um, kind of like like motherly approach mm. to son or stuff. Like she's like hiding this from the kids, right. you know, or like when she's like sewing. Yeah. I think it's Mike's pants or whatever. Um, but yeah, so that was because that's like the only incidents that we get. And it's just because, again, I guess that's a point to like, well, again, that could be paranormal or humans hunting them. Right. But uh, that's like the real only point that we get of like what could happen right. to them besides just being lost. Right. Um, I had, of course, fear of separation no, of course. being you're separated from society, from people, you know, and uh, I think that's kind of like one of like the big fears of this. Mm-hmm. Um, just off this list. The last thing I had was kind of like Heather, I think does kind of sort of embody the fear of like, shame or like uh humiliation because you know she is leading this project and she doesn't want to be wrong you know she knows what direction she's going she's she says it that she uh mapped out this hike for 
days or weeks or whatever it is that she says. So she is very proud in the plan that she has, right. and she's not happy with the execution so right. far. Yeah. Well, and I, I think not to harp, but uh, on, but yeah. I think going back to kind of my interpretation of her from before, it's that you know there's a part of it where you can tell she's also like in a way manipulating them there's there's to a degree where she's like oh no no it's fine we'll just like let me just we're moving we're moving but she's obviously not moving the camera she's still filming something she's still staying mm. on something she's like, yeah 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 we're coming obviously we're going we're going but she's not actually changing her behavior that kind of makes you wonder like okay how much of this you know are you being truthful about um but i think for her, like in my interpretation is that she actually probably did have her shit together for a while until paranormal or not, uh, they get trapped and where she then starts to lose her own ability, her own trust with of herself to the point where she gets to that shame and that fear that she's genuinely the cause, the one at fault for all of this because mm-hmm. she it was in charge of the project because she was the one that you know ran head first into this thing um but i think that is part of that the uh, removal of autonomy is that she's losing mm-hmm. this the things that she knows about herself to be true which is her sense of direction her ability to lead these projects her like you know the, the trust she had in herself basically to see this thing through she by the end has lost that entirely to the point where she's following mike around desperately Mm -hmm. screeching just having no idea what to do and how to exist anymore and i think yeah so it's kind of a combination of a lot of these i i really like that that you know her her, your interpretation of her character has just been fascinating to me (laughs) because uh because i never really thought about her like really anyone having an arc in this movie but she really does with how it's a very famous shot of mm-hmm. you know her crying right. in the camera um gosh so the the one the the thing that i had about the the fear that this movie plays off of that is not on this list is that this movie is literally the fear of the unknown mm. just because one of my favorite things about this movie and i didn't talk about this at the beginning is that I love the opening of this movie, just them interviewing the townspeople. Mm-hmm. It's one of my, I think it might be one of like one of my favorite parts of this movie. Um, and because none of them are consistent with what the Blair Witch is. And I just love that she, or we don't even know if it's a he or she, because right. they talk about this or Mr. Parr. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Children. And they... <laughs> They talk about Mr. Parr was someone that took the that took the kids mm-hmm. there, and he was the one that made them face the corner, not the witch. Right. But like, and so there's this, there's all of this, I don't know, like stuff that doesn't, yeah, it doesn't mesh, and yeah. and it's like, just there's just this legend that just literally just lives in myth with these townspeople, and I just kind of love how inconsistent they all were, but they were all very wary of it. And I, I think my favorite person of this was the, the mom holding the baby, oh, yeah. and and the kid kept, you know, didn't want her to talk Stop. about it, <laughs> which, which was great because they said that like you know, the kid wasn't like an actor like th- that that just happened the kid oh. just freaked out for no reason oh my gosh and like that perfect. wasn't like, yes yeah, so it was just perfect mm. and I love how the mom 
plays off of it so well. She goes, no, 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 don't worry. We're not, t- it's, it's just a story. She goes, it's not a story. Like, you know, she, <laughs> she's still like <laughs> buying into it and everything. Um, but yeah, so besides, you know, the unknown of like, what is the Blair Witch? Is it this witch? Is it Mr. Parr? Um, what's in the woods? What's, mm-hmm. What do these piles of rocks mean? What do the stick figures mean? Like, just, there's just so much of it. It's just like, what the fuck is this? What the fuck is that? And we get, no answers to we don't even know if they actually connect to each right. other and i just i just love how this movie is literally just the fear of the unknown and it never being answered yeah. i just love that oh and i i love that too and, and i think that kind of loops in and you brought it up a lot in that but like i don't know if this is a specific fear but it's it's almost a subgenre but like that mythical folklore um fear of like does something did something exist before or did the stories create something, mm. you know, because you're right. Like there's the witch, there's Mr. Parr, there's the children that Mr. Parr killed. And like, we're hearing lots of voices throughout We're he- we're seeing the house that the, that Mr. Parr might've been in with all the handprints. We see, you know, Mike stand in the corner, just like they talked about at the beginning um, mm-hmm. with her coming, you know, them coming down in pairs and so it's like, is it Mr. Parr doing it? Is it the children getting revenge? Is there actually a witch all around? Um, is Mr. Parr the witch? Yeah, right. Well, it. Is it a human that's doing this or have has this these myths and these people's strong beliefs and it created this horrific atmosphere entity. and entity yeah. and woods um, is it the woods themselves? And and I think you're right. It's all the unknown. And the fact that the movie doesn't try to give you clear answers, it doesn't try to hand you anything. It just gives you pieces and allows you to discover what you will. Like that's again, grounding it in such reality that I think makes it so effective. Yeah, absolutely. And when, when they were uh, like interviewing those townspeople, the directors had certain people that were like, some of them were actual townspeople. And some of them were actors planted and, you know heather and them didn't know didn't know the difference oh, between cool. who or what so yeah so they just gave the the people that they planted they just gave very vague information and just let them kind of like fill in the gaps or whatever so i, I just find that so it's just one of my favorite parts of this oh, movie because because we open up this you know new england you know, maryland town it's halloween in the town we see like all like those like drugstore decorations yep. for like Halloween. It's just it just sets the mood oh, yeah. so so nicely. And then going to the woods is very I don't know. I just feel like that's like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well and you're make you're oh. making me think, sorry, but you're making me think about also kind of all those comments about America that Heather mm. makes because this is such small town America and you're meeting these like beautiful like pieces of a patchwork of people that make up this community that is kind of surrounding this myth. Um, and it really kind of feels like a slice of, of just like America before they dive into the myth itself. Oh yeah. I have a, a few, I feel like there's a bunch of, a few nominees, but, uh, uh, do you have anything that you find to be the scariest scene or part of this movie? I mean, for me, the moment, you know, because I'm sitting there at the edge of my seat, just like waiting to see it. I'm like, when am I going to see the witch? When is this happening? I'm ready for it. 
And I think because I'm like actually holding my breath from the moment they walk into that house, when Mike goes down the stairs and drops the camera, that for me was just like, oh, crap, something really just happened. And Mm -hmm. I didn't need to see it to know. Whereas some of the other stuff, I'm just still so laser focused, ready for the actual, you know, monster. Like that was, I think, one of the, the scariest moment for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm pretty sure everybody thinks about the mic in the corner mm-hmm. in the basement right. when they think about this. I had kind of like two scenes tied for 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 this. Um, like yeah, everything you said about the house. Like as soon as they get there, I'm just like, what the fuck? Because mm-hmm. it is it's very unsettling because this is like the first structure, right. and it's just like who stumbles upon a house in the woods? But they this was a real house that they found in the woods. Oh. With the hand, it, not yes. with the handprints, though. No, 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 <sighs> not the handprints. <laughs> you just gave me a minor no, but, heart attack. <laughs> no, the, no, but this was a real house that they that the directors found in the woods, and they had to reinforce it heavily because it was sure. falling apart. And they they repainted the walls because there was a bunch of graffiti, but they just had like one of the directors just brought all of his nieces and nephews and just had them paint the walls, and they said they had a ball just oh doing that. Oh my gosh, movie magic! I love it the 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 we hear like children's voices one night outside mm-hmm. of the tent that was one of the directors his mom uh hit like their neighbors have like a playground and they just recorded like their kids playing in the playground of course but um but yeah the the house itself is like a character almost mm-hmm. and yeah, everything you said as soon as they find it it's just like what the fuck and it's so unsettling mm-hmm. um the 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 thing i had tied with this was heather is when like they they shake yeah. the tent and Heather runs out and screams, what the fuck is yeah. that? Those are the two scenes I, I constantly think about whenever I think about this movie. I, so. I will be honest. I'm still mad we didn't see anything when Heather screams that. I just, because uh, I uh, I know that it would ruin the homage, or not the homage, that I, uh, I know that it would ruin the illusion. the illusion, but I'm so desperate to see something at that point that I almost get distracted because I'm like, well, what are you screaming about? I want to scream. <laughs> but well, but I, I agree that, like, the moment is so effective and you're just on the edge of your seat. Well, you know that, that that's a mistake uh, because they did – so one of the directors did dress up uh, in, like, a white morph suit and it was running around the woods like that. And that's what she – and they were supposed to get it, but they, by accident, didn't and they didn't reshoot it. So it, they were supposed to. <gasps> And you're supposed to just see this white blur running across the woods, but just by accident, they didn't. Well, and I mean, the mystery is great for that as well. You mm-hmm. know, so like, I'm with that. And I am I always believe your imagination is going to do far worse than anything prosthetics can possibly do, but, um, or costumes can do. But uh, I... I think that's the only reason why that last scene took precedence for me, but I, I agree. It's it's between those two. You know, like when mm-hmm. you see something coming in from the outside of the tent and then Heather just fucking bolts. Oh, you're you are with her on every step of that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um which would be scarier to run up on the stickman or the, the pile of rocks? Oh the stickman. Yeah, yeah, the oh, stickman. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, that still yeah. gives me chills. Again, I keep bringing it up. Listen to the director's commentary. I got it. I mean, that sounds that. so good. It's 
it's great. They, like, they they named them <laughs> and everything, and it's it's just and they're all going. Oh, I made this one. I made yeah. It was. Oh, that's it was great. Oh, that's great. Um, I a couple of other nominees I had for like scary were finding the stick man, the pile of rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, hearing Josh's screams at night after he went missing, very unsettling. Very. And them start coming back to the log that we mentioned a handful of times. That was very scary to me because that's when Heather breaks down and we actually see she yeah. is scared. And that's something else I want to talk about is that this movie does such a great job at daytime horror and nighttime horror. Mm-hmm. Because during the day, I mean, the the pile of stones, the stickmen and like the log were all like very creepy is it paranormal supernatural stuff that's happening to you during the day which is scary but like the fears that are coming out during the day are like we're fucking lost we got to get home i'm hungry survival you know we're yeah it's survival and them arguing with each other and and this movie does such a good job at i remember the first time i watched this i was dreading every time the next night time came i was like fuck like they're still in the goddamn woods and nighttime it's all the that's all the spooky horror mm-hmm. stuff that happens and it's not them arguing they're too spooked to yeah they're together at now. that point you know it's like they yeah. are a unit in those moments but you know i like that you brought up the log as a as a moment of fear because i think emotionally that moment is actually what i remembered most out of this whole movie is that moment of realizing oh my god they've been walking in circles this entire time like that is grippingly terrifying for me. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think... <laughs> just devastating. Yeah, and just devastating, yeah. absolutely. And so I think you're right. And it does, like, you expect the horror survival of the night times going into a movie like this. You expect that, but when they actually have the daytime horror of, like, knowing they're going to die just by being here and not being able to leave, that almost kind of supersedes the final horror mm. of the nights. Almost. I mean, then you get the last night with the house and then it's just like, okay, never mind. The house, <sighs> the night with the house, it's so good. So good. I mean, it's, it, it's also very disorienting because I think they, like they, they go back and forth between Heather's camera and Mike's camera, but the audio is always coming from Mike's camera. Right. So sometimes it sounds like Heather's real close. Sometimes it sounds like she's, super far away even though we're in her pov but she sounds distant it's, it reminds me of a video oh, game in in a way at times where you just you, yeah. you're always hearing the like person that's supposed to be helping you they're just like running around in different places yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah or if you're like really bad at video games you can't like figure out how to turn it around and see where they are i guess is what i'm saying yeah, yeah mike is just a mike is just a an npc yeah basically yeah, <laughs> Oh my god! Um, yeah, it's just which also makes me wonder what the fuck was the concept of this documentary? Like, why do we have a black and white and color? Yeah, I, I didn't. I I don't get it. I guess but... it's not supposed to be cheesy, so you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say yeah, it was like the serious moments were in black and white. Exactly like, the oh super my... serious moments, <laughs> like the narration. Oh, oh my gosh, my that's great. That's great. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, anything else for, for fear analysis that uh, you like to mention? No, I think we got it. <laughs> awesome. Um, I've actually been very surprised that we've had a lot of 
cool like interpretations and about this movie but uh so in terms of you know messaging cool interpretations or whatever I, I feel like this this is kind of like a basic I don't want to say basic but like you know pretty cut and dry you know it's about you know <laughs> don't go don't go fucking off in the woods yeah. like you know don't be messing with stuff you shouldn't it's a cautionary tale yeah it's a cautionary tale for sure in terms of interpretation um and it, we've I've I've been kind of like planting the seeds for this throughout the conversation about paranormal versus right. normal like hu- human things have you seen or heard of the theory that there there is like the Blair Witch itself is fiction within this universe and that this was all just a plot by Josh and Mike to murder Heather in the woods. No, but I love that. I mean, oh God, that's great. Uh, I mean, because well, I like theories like that because like you can't disprove them, you know, because like the, right. the, that's what's ripe with this kind of movie that just kind of offers you lots of questions and gives you very few answers. And um, so, I mean, I like that. Like, why not? That that's That's great. And I think there's definitely a tag team aspect of it, driving her crazy, not them crazy of... Uh, Josh They're disappearing. Always antagonistic against always her. Always antagonistic yeah. against her. Uh, always helping each other. Um, when Josh disappears and and Mike's the one starts leading them, um, you know, and Mike's the one that's charging through that house, leading her downstairs. And mm-hmm. according to the myth, at least, right? Like they said that Mr. Parr would bring two kid, kids down in pairs and would make the first kid stand in the corner and watch while the second kid would get killed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the the first kid is facing the right. corner, not watching. Right. Yeah. And, but it's the second one that gets killed, which would mean that then Heather's the first one actually killed once they're in the basement. And like, yeah, could be Josh down there having just shouted the night before and um, who's down there to kill her. And it's, they're just kind of making up their own myth. I don't know. That's fun. Yeah, it's there's there's this um there's this YouTube channel. I think it's just called Film Theory, but uh they, I'll put a link in the show notes. But he did a very awesome breakdown. I I don't buy it just to be honest, <laughs> but uh <laughs> just because there's like okay, well it, explain the teeth, explain right. the stickman, explain the. I mean, I guess it's, that it's, could have been the Jar Jar Banks as a Sith Lord kind of. Which you know, he was. I'm just I kidding, mean, what, but, uh, what, <laughs> obviously, did you see those flips? No, sorry. <laughs> 100% did I expect Jar Jar Binks to make an appearance <laughs> on the Blair Witch episode. Um, but uh, I think one of the most convincing points that he does, or two most convincing points, is that, like, kind of like motivation, sort of, is that, like, Josh and Heather have some sort of past relationship. Like, they are friends, but, like, he. Th- he, I think he like uh, speculates that they were boyfriend and girlfriend at one point, because there is mm-hmm. a Heather diary to this movie that you can that you can read that Heather Donahue wrote herself, wow. and he pulled out like evidence from from the diary about how like Josh is acting weird, he's not himself lately, like blah blah blah, um, and uh, his best piece of evidence is when they get to the house, Mike is very much leading her. Mm-hmm. And he leads her to the top just to run down super quickly right. to get downstairs real fast. Um, again, I don't necessarily buy it, but this is one of those movies where it would be cool to watch it with that lens yeah. of these two dudes are trying to fucking kill her. Uh, and the actor herself, Heather, um, which th- they use all their real names. Right. Um, 
she she was still not really convinced that she was part of like a legit movie project she was actually worried that she was like part of like some sort of like fucked up snuff film so she hid a knife and she had a knife on her at all times in the movie because she was worried that like she signed up for something not good it sounds like she was the only woman around right yeah that's a dangerous activity right there going to the woods with a group of men yeah 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 so she so yeah she she slept with a knife and she had one (laughs) hidden on her at all times (laughs) my goodness yeah i mean that was brave regardless so Oh gosh! Yeah, like, but yeah, that adds imagine... such wonderful authenticity to the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely, and just just imagine like her telling her parents, "Yeah, I'm going to go in the woods for eight <laughs> days with like these guys that like put an ad in the paper yeah. wanting some improv actors." And like, what? Yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> she is so lucky. It turned out to be a multi-million-dollar uh, yeah. movie <laughs> franchise, <laughs> and not her murder. Oh, yeah. Goodness. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so that I, I did, um, so that's kind of like, I think one of the things that you could kind of like interpret about this, I don't have too much about like a message, like yeah. I says, but like, it just be kind of like a cautionary tale. Like, don't really. fuck with por- paranormal stuff. Leave it be. Yeah. That's kind of what I get. <laughs> about the paranormal interpretation of this was something that you mentioned earlier, which I love. There's how the woods themselves or the Blair Witch is leading them. Mm to the house right. basically and i love that idea and what i think is so interesting to think about that is that i believe it's the sixth night that they find the house i believe like the legend was that it was seven children mm. mr park killed and when they go to the graveyard heather counts seven stones so i felt like all this was kind of leading up to like you're not going to see the seventh Day. so like the sixth night is like what right. they're leading it up to because they each um, have three stones that they wake up to as well one night right mm-hmm. after the second yeah. night i think they third night yeah they have yeah three stones almost like grave markers for them mm-hmm. yeah mm. yeah but i don't know yeah this 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 is a fun movie to watch with whichever kind of lens you want to and just pick evidence absolutely for your case well and that's i think the the mark of a truly good film is some is a film that has rewatch value that allows you to rediscover it every single time you watch it and i think that's what this film does how ambiguous it is uh is what kind of still lets it breathe Mm -hmm. today like why people like us are still talking about it and speculating which i i haven't seen any of the sequels i'm not interested in that (laughs) I've I've gotten the cautionary tale. <laughs> do not do it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. I had a friend tell me that like the 2016 one was like not awful, but not like you know great. But I'm just like I I'm fine. I don't need There's any. So more. many movies to watch in this world. <laughs> yeah. <know>? Uh, <laughs> um. So let's let's move on to a very fun segment of this, which is the cabin in the woods trinkets. What sort of items or movie props from this would you put in the cabin in the woods to summon the Blair Witch to to get you? I'll, I'll let you start. I mean, I think the obvious one is a one of those stick effigies. Um, mm-hmm. Then again, you might put that out there and then get like a really deranged Matthew McConaughey or something instead (laughs) i'm also watching true detective right now um so uh you know one of the two but i i I do think that uh, it's so um wonderfully um clear and uh Mm -hmm. um evocative of this film 
But because I know that's an obvious one, I will also put out there the broken camera that was then sold on eBay for (laughs) $10,000. The the camera. camera. I love it. Love it. Yeah, I thought uh, I had Stickman as well, but I thought of... um, I thought the uh, one of the books that Heather has the the coffin the coffin rock book yeah and then, you know you pick that up and read it and yeah so that's 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 what I had that's from good. this that's good that's good yeah maybe maybe it would also be like one of those rock piles and you pick up the top rock you know mm. who knows yeah and then like when you pick it up you just you now realize you're in the middle of the woods right like, like oh like, my god where did I just get to <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely or. Maybe it could be. Oh, maybe the map is haunted, and maybe Ooh, you just find the map the that they lost good. in the creek. And like, as yeah. soon as you touch it, you're just permanently lost <laughs> until you die. Oh, it's the world's least helpful. <laughs> least map. helpful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that segment. I love that question. It's always. I feel like I need to go watch Cabin in the Woods now. Yeah. Is that... <laughs> oh, it could be Mike's power bar from the grocery store. <laughs> One of the most expensive power bars. <laughs> this power bar didn't exist in 1994. Ooh, Ooh spooky. <laughs> <laughs> we, we haven't uh, we haven't sold oatmeal cookie in 20 years. <laughs> oh, man. oh, that's good. Well, thank you, Nora, so much for coming on to talk about The Blair Witch Project. This is one of my favorite horror movies. It's very nostalgic for me, and it's just... I loved having your perspective as someone who's been through film school and a director, and as you you were able to offer uh, so much in terms of that angle, and that's why I thought you'd be a perfect host or guest host with this so thank you for coming on thank you this was a blast yeah like what a what a great film to talk about and right right in time for the spooky season so thank you for having me (laughs) yes yes this is this we're recording this towards the end of september right now and this is just like uh, just just like got me like so ready for halloween especially (laughs) (laughs) especially with like how i said there's just so many cool like halloween decorations in this movie it's kind of like oh yes they're ready i'm ready let's go like yeah there's just also just something about being lost in the woods that's just like yeah that that's that's what you do in october you just get lost in the woods and crunch some leaves Yeah. yeah there's a reason why every fairy tale is about getting lost in the woods you know this is the stuff that we've been scared of for what's in the woods yeah it's a witch yeah (laughs) yeah exactly i will say since i have moved i lots of horror movies now seem very different to me because now i'm in a new environment and because i don't necessarily have like woods in my backyard but i definitely have a tree line it's not super deep like forest but like it is a small forest in my backyard so like I, I watched this the other night and I went outside, looked out my window and just saw the tree line not too far from me. I just went, yeah, I'm, I'm not going yeah, out no. there. Yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah, like, nope. Turning the yeah, so blinds I, I'm up. taking my yeah. dog to the front yeah, yard. Yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Well, thank you so much again, Nora. Thank you. Thank you. This is so much fun.